0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. One of the wonderful things I love about Open House is the way it enables us to lift our eyes, expand our minds and meet some really interesting people, and my next guest ticks all of those boxes. Songi Chibambo was raised in rural Malawi in southeast Africa. He comes from a family of nine children. Songi embraced Christian faith at the age of 23, and for the past 27 years has held a range of significant positions in the wonderful African Enterprise Organisation, connecting countless numbers of people across that vast continent with the good news that has transformed and liberated his own life. Today, he's the Director of Mission at African Enterprise with a wealth of powerful stories to tell. Songi Chabamba, welcome to Open House. Thank you very much, Lee. It's great to meet you. How would you describe your life before you embrace Christian faith, Songi? And what's the story of how you found Jesus Christ? I was brought up in a Christian home,
1: and I come from a very rich Christian heritage because my grandfather happened to be one of the first uh, converts to Christianity when the missionaries came to uh, my part of uh, the world. My grandfather and my grandmother, I'm told, they really prayed for all the grandchildren that his students were going to have, that each one of them will follow the Christian faith. I was brought up uh, in a family of nine, and my father, uh, who was a teacher by profession, he was so strict. Uh, in fact, he was a disciplinarian because he really wanted all of us to go to church on Sunday and not just to play around. And um, I remember there were times when I resisted to go to church. And my dad applied knowledge at the seat of Learning whenever I tried not to, yeah. uh, to go to church. And uh, being brought up in a Christian home, doing all church things, I thought I was a Christian. And um, at the age of between 8 and 10, I had a very vivid dream. In that dream, somebody was asking me to read from Matthew 4, verse 18 and 19. And uh, uh, for those uh, who know that scripture it was Jesus Uh, telling his disciples that it was going to make them fishers of men. But uh, as a young boy, I thought, ah, it's just one of those things. I continued to go to church. I continued to teach Sunday school, sing in the choir. And yet every time I did church things, I still had guilt in me. So fearful uh, because I was brought up in a place where witchcraft is being practiced. And I never really uh, knew how I could be liberated Uh, From that fear Uh, When night came I would be so fearful As a teenager Looking for satisfaction um, I attended a Christian meeting And I went to that meeting Because I wanted to date Christian girls Because smart girls Are found in Christian meetings It's a common
0: thing (laughs) Tell me
1: Little did I know That God had an appointment With me I was looking for girls But God was looking for me I attended all the meetings That took place For about a week At the end of that, I remember the Master of Sermon is saying, God has spoken to us, and I knew that. And the appropriate song for us to sing to conclude our time together is, O to Jesus, I surrender. That's the song that broke my heart. As we sang, once again I could hear a voice saying to me, have you surrendered all? When we went to the second stanza, all the worldly pleasures forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now. The question once again was posed to me, have you surrendered all the worldly pleasures? And I was ashamed. And I was somebody who was so hard-hardened. I couldn't cry easily. But God humbled me on that day. And I just cried like a baby. I walked from the back of the church building to the front. And I said, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And life just changed from thereafter. God just gave me a passion to reach out to my brothers. who we were just uh, practicing religion. They used to do everything, and yet I knew that never made a commitment to the Lord as I did uh, before I came to know Jesus.
0: How did your life change?
1: I started feeling sorry for those who play church, who are just uh, so committed to doing the rituals at the church and not even knowing Jesus as their personal savior. At that time, there were so many religious men and women, boys and girls. Uh, who never had a personal relationship with Jesus, um, who were so much even fearful of death, because death is a reality. And when I confronted them with that question, where are you going to spend your eternity? They never had an answer. And I knew, I said to them, well, I know now where I'm going uh, because I've made this commitment to the Lord and uh, God has promised me. And you were clearly less fearful in your own life. Less fearful. I was not even afraid of the night. I was not even afraid of uh, the uh, evil spells. I was not even afraid of being uh, bewitched uh, because I knew that somebody more powerful was in my life. And I should also confess that that knowledge came to me uh, by uh, the people who just helped me to be grounded in the Word of God, just to to tell me who I am after making that commitment to the
0: Lord. It's one thing for your life to change to that degree personally but it's another thing to devote your entire life to this ministry. Why have you done that? I suppose it's because of uh, the lost souls.
1: I've come to realize that life doesn't just end when one dies. There is eternity. And not only that, even in this world, I've come to realize that if you don't have somebody who is more powerful or knowing and who has undergone all the problems that we've undergone and yet was victorious, Uh, it becomes very difficult to deal with the issues of life. I, as a young person, you know, with being normal, right, Uh, there comes a time when you've got a passion, uh, in fact, a yearning even to do the wrong things. Uh, At times, you are influenced by peer pressure. How do you say no to peer pressure? At times, the the body speaks. And uh, as a young boy, you always have got an inclination towards the opposite sex, and you can resist it once, but at times the the earth yearning becomes too strong. How do you say no to that kind of uh, passion and uh, yearning and uh, I can explicitly say that without Jesus, it's very easy to uh succumb to the uh, peer pressure and even to succumb to temptations uh to have sex out of wedlock, which is sin and for me, I said having Enjoyed the goodness of the Lord in my life. I I don't want to miss it with, with any other thing that is temporal, uh, something that will only just lasts for a moment and then suffer the consequences. I didn't want that, and I said I would like to live a smart life so that God can give me a God ordained wife whom I'm going to love and I'm
0: cherish for the rest of my life. You also clearly like people. And love people. I could tell that I must say within one minute of meeting you.
1: Thank you very much Lee. I (laughs) could.
0: But that's an important thing to say. It is
1: very important because you see we don't live on an island. Uh, God has placed people to be loved and to be cherished and uh, God has also given us people who are going to correct us when we are out of line. Uh, So loving people is the right thing to do. And moreover you know, there's that beautiful uh, Bible verse that we learned when we we're, we're young. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And once again, it just says he loves us. He loves me. He loves his people. And if God, the creator, he loves the created,
0: we too, we need to emulate that. What's kept you at African Enterprise for so long? There are lots of other mission organizations, lots of other Christian organizations that do very good work. Why African Enterprise for 27 years now?
1: You're right. African Enterprise is an extraordinary Christian organization that embraces evangelism in a holistic way. Not only does it embrace evangelism in a holistic way, but also it has got a platform to reach out to the whole of Africa. God has been so gracious to African Enterprise that we are able to connect with people from the highest level of leadership to the lowest person on the ground that's just extraordinary and not only that african enterprises found favor with the church in africa secondly i've seen the impact of the gospel that african enterprises preached in the cities of africa we operate in 10 african countries from as far as Ethiopia, Ghana, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Democratic Republic of Congo, coming down to South Africa. And in every country, I've seen God touching lives in ways that has just transformed the community, has just transformed the homes. That's what gives me the impotence, really, to be more engaged with African enterprise.
0: So here's a really hard question. Of the many thousands for whom that is meant, total transformation in their lives. Incredible. Is there one person who you can identify to me to say, that's a good example of what we do and why we do it?
1: Lee, I've got several stories.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but let me just mention one. Uh, about two three years ago, we went to Monrovia, Liberia. Liberia is a country that has been so much devastated by civil war. And from its time we it obtained uh, independence... Uh, from the Americans, it has had over 30 presidents. Each one of them was ousted from power because another leader wanted to come into power. So they were either assassinated or pushed out of power by force. Whilst we're doing this mission, as a precursor to any citywide mission, we conduct training to empower the church so that the church becomes a transformational agent in their community and that the church is prepared to nurture the new believers who have made commitments. And at one of the peace and reconciliation seminar that we're conducting in Moravia, uh we met with uh, a man by the name of Joshua Bly. And Joshua Bly had just given his love to Jesus. We were told that uh, during the civil war that ousted the government of President Doe. Joshua Bly was known as General Butt-Naked. And this is not a joke. That was his actual name. And I was so curious. Butt-Naked? Tell me more about it. He told us that as a ritual for them not to be discovered by the enemy, they had to pluck out a heart from a child and eat that heart gruesome gruesome thing in fact i couldn't believe it yeah. he sent just chills down my spine but he said i'm telling you so that you understand where i come from and he said after doing that ritual they could connect with the actual devil and then they would go and fight the armies of president Dor whilst they were naked but he was the general so he, that's why he was called general but naked mm-hmm. and all of them went to the uh, to the front lines naked And they could not even be spotted. He even told us of how they could be able to fly from Ivory Coast to Liberia. Not using a plane, but using an African plane. Using witchcraft. Because he was so much immersed in witchcraft. But he said, well, I had an encounter with the living God. And God is truly powerful. This Jesus that we preach is really powerful. Because General, butt naked, he challenged God. says, well, if you are truly God, you show up. And if you make that challenge, you are in for a big surprise. Yes. God showed up. The rest is history. As I'm talking to you now, Lee, Joshua Blah is an evangelist who is traveling in West Africa preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and telling the people that there is power in the name of Jesus. No, any other power can be equated to the power that we have. In Jesus.
0: Can I ask you also about Rwanda and the genocide of 1994, which claimed the lives of 800,000 people, including most of the team members who were there from African Enterprise? You're part of the team that went in there after that. Can you paint us a picture from so far away in Australia, what that was like? In
1: 1995, Michael Cassidy led a team to Rwanda. And one of the reasons for us to go was just to go and comfort the church that had undergone this tragedy. And you're right, our team leader with the rest of his family members happened to be the first people uh, that we were massacred. We didn't know what to expect. However, Lee, what I saw is something that I don't want to see again. We went into massacre areas and most of the massacres took place in church buildings because The pastors called upon uh, the people, the Tutsis predominantly, were seeking for refuge and a safe haven. And they said, come into my church building. And once they walked into that church building, the pastors locked up and they called upon the militias. And they came and just massacred people the way one could possibly slaughter chickens. In most of the church building that we went, we saw remains of people about one foot deep. Because we went there only one year after the genocide. Uh, we saw bloodstains on the walls, on windows. People trying to go through the windows, but people could not go through. And it's something that uh, left me with so many questions. We were there for about two weeks and I could not sleep. I cried as never before. I've never cried the way I did in Rwanda, and I think it was during one of the mornings, I said to God, God, where were you when this whole thing happened? Why didn't you not stop it? And I said, I cannot handle it anymore uh, because it's too much. God is so gracious. God is full of understanding. He understands our passion. He understands our pain. He understands our suffering. And God just revealed himself to me. And I could hear him saying to me, Song I'm so privileged to fear my heartbeat for the people of Rwanda. And that comforted my heart. That God, he understands. I don't need to have all the answers to what happened. But God, he understands. And um, what has happened in Rwanda is just incredible. As a result of our small contribution, we have Conducted peace and reconciliation seminar throughout the country with top leaders to the people on the ground. Uh, To an extent that our previous team leader was made the vice president of peace and reconciliation in recognition to the work of peace and reconciliation we've done in Rwanda. I can attribute to the development that has taken place in Rwanda to the peace and reconciliation uh, that took place in Rwanda because there can be no development without
0: reconciliation. In the midst of all that work, Songy, can I put a question to you that I put to Michael Cassidy, the founder of African Enterprise, when he joined us on Open House this year, in the midst of all the great work that you do for many, how do you keep your own personal faith fresh? Because you're very busy doing all this stuff, but it has to be a very personal faith as well, doesn't
1: it? Very good question, Lee. And um, I personally... I recharge my batteries by withdrawing at times and also having times of prayer and fasting, which I found to be a very good discipline uh, because when I pray and fast, my concentration is not on food but on God. I found that to be very invigorating. It just helps me to be more aligned to the things of God. And also, God helps me to have regular times of prayer and uh, regular times just to meditate upon God's words. It's a good discipline. It's something that can easily be brushed aside. And also just praying, not just praying for me, but I pray for many other people. With my work with the Lord, I've encountered many challenges. And uh, let me also just share this because it's one of the things that I'm so grateful to the Lord for what He has done in my life. It goes without saying that forgiveness... Is so hard. I've seen marriages breaking up because of unforgiveness. A few years ago, I lost my mother-in-law. And my mother-in-law used to live in Alexandra Township just outside Johannesburg. My mother-in-law was murdered by boys. Boys who knew my mother-in-law so well. When they were hungry, they would go to my mother-in-law's house and ask for food. But on this dreadful Sunday morning, between the hours of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., As my mother got out of her house to go and relieve herself to a toilet, because most of the houses, they don't have uh, flush toilets in their homes. Uh, These boys grabbed my mother-in-law. They gagged her. They gang raped my mother-in-law. And because she knew them, she made sure she was dead. And she was thrown in a rubbish dump between one and two kilometers from her home. She was only discovered three or four, four hours after her death. And when Lucy, my wife, called me, And she narrated the whole story. I was so angry. I was angry because I said, God, you're the all-knowing God. Where were you? And I said, I'm not going to forgive those boys. I'm going to avenge the death of my mother-in-law. I was crying. I was angry with God. But once again, he's an amazing God. And that's why I love him. That's why I want to serve God. Because God came down at my level and he said, Songe, if you don't forgive, you're going to be a victim. I've made you into a victor. And I said, God, I don't want to hear that. He said, well, if you don't forgive, you yourself, you won't be able to live a victorious life. I forgave you at the cross. And moreover, you too, you have murdered so many people in your heart. I wrestled with that. And then God gave me a scripture from 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. And said, Songe, my grace is sufficient for you. I said, I don't want to hear that because I was so angry with God. But God said, well, my grace is for you. It's either you appropriate grace into your own life or you resist it. At the end of that day, I surrendered to Jesus. I said, God, I'm sorry for my bitterness and anger. And you know better. You were there when my mother-in-law was murdered. And I will not be able to know the results. However, you are providing healing to my soul, my spirit. And I received that. And I forgave unconditionally. I didn't even want to hear the the outcome of what happened to those boys. And uh, for me, I'm a liberated man. I've got a free conscience. And that's what makes all the difference. that, That on my own, I would have never achieved that. And because I'm forgiven, I can also be able to forgive. And that's why I serve God, that this amazing God... He gives us the ability to do the extraordinary for His own glory.
0: Do you ever get tired of talking about Jesus? I'll
1: never get tired of talking about Jesus because He has done amazing things in my life. I can even write a book, you know, just to have children. It's a blessing, something that can easily be taken for granted. To have a faithful wife who supports your ministry, it's a blessing. Also, just to be protected from the evil forces. We're living in a world that is full of evil. The evil forces are vying for our blood. But I know that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. And God gives me the victory day by day. And even just coming to Australia, it's a privilege because how many people would long to come here? And yet God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And what a privilege it is to
0: serve this living God. Well, seeing you don't get tired of talking about Jesus, what would you say to those listening to Open House tonight who might not know him like you do? What would you say to them?
1: I would say, you aren't found nothing as yet. (laughs) I would challenge them to consider this Jesus who is offering his life to them. We're saying, come unto me, those who are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I would say, just open up your heart. Wherever you are, God understands the challenges that you're facing. But what God wants to do is to come into your life so that you are under new management so that your life is led by Him. And it's very easy. Just open up your heart and invite Him to come into your life. And you will see what God can do. He does amazing things. He sweeps your house clean inside out uh, so that it can be a blessing. And for those who already knew the Lord as their personal Savior, my challenge to them is you live out your Christian life wherever you are because God has placed you there for a divine purpose, to shine for him and to make a difference for Jesus. Because who knows that you have come to the kingdom of God at such a time as this.
0: You're a great inspiration to us all, Christian or not. Songi Chabambo, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, Lee. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.